the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking money investing, retirement, insurance, anything I can to drag you kicking and screaming towards retirement with kind of a good nest egg is the goal. A lot of times we talk about millennials, Sometimes we'll talk about technology and the the trends that are happening there. Facebook started a subscription service for publishers' videos. Think of it as like a CFP Chad Burton could have his own website where he takes your questions and he charges you a dollar a month on Facebook. Um, YouTube loves it because they want more of that standardized. Google owns the YouTube format, as you could well imagine. But um, Amazon has something called Twitch TV which is kind of similar to YouTube, typically heavily dominated by streamers, but not exclusive to uh, video game streamers. So we wait patiently and watch these trends, and we invest in these trends. Speaking about investing, it just doesn't make sense to talk about that kind of stuff today because the financial media is abuzz with the word recession. Recessions are normal. Recessions happen. Recessions feel worse than they are. Recessions are something that uh, happen on a regular basis. They curb excesses. But they don't feel good. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton to talk about recessions and inverted yield curves and income in retirement. And the big seminar coming up on Friday, is it still relevant or are we going to hell in a handbasket and no need to save money anyway? Chad? <laughs> good question. Good question. And we should look up you know, things like rule of thumb and hell in a handbasket. Where did that all come from? It's always interesting to find out where these terms on Wall Street come from. But... Um, you know, recessions are supposed to kind of happen every seven years or so, every five to seven years. It's part of a process, right? You have people get a little easier credit, you have expansion, and it gets a little overheated, and you have to contract that credit expansion and, and uh, fight inflation, and it kind of cycles through. Um, in terms of the inverted yield curve, there's not really a specific time frame. It, it, at some point, there's a recession after the inverted yield curve, but you could always say at some point there's always a recession, and it's part of the market. When we have banks, central banks around the world kind of dealing with this low-rate environment, you got to ask yourself, if they do anything with rates at the central bank level, the overnight lending rates between banks is what the Federal Reserve controls, is it really going to stimulate the economy at this point? Um, I don't know if it really makes that much difference. But I can tell you that once the trade war goes away, which it eventually will, we'll be back to growth phase. Because you can look at companies right now, and you can look at their earnings over the last 12 months, this quarter versus the same quarter last year, and earnings are down about 1% if you blend all of the 11 sectors of the S&P 500 together. And if you look at the stock market over the last 12 months, it's flat. Yeah, you kind of had, oh, the market rallied up 
you know, almost 18% at one point since January, but that was off the lows from December 24th. So if you look at the stock market the last 12 months, it's flat. Uh, emerging markets and international down about 7%. Small cap stocks down about 12% over the last 12 months. Um, so some things are priced for recession, and some things are priced appropriately because the market is, the earnings are flat. It's fine. It, it, the market doesn't go straight up. It's seven seventy percent of the time it's positive. Thirty percent of the time it's negative. And um, the market do, did need to move sideways a little bit after a run up since two thousand nine. So, not too concerned over the long run, uh, Rob. But you know, headlines are, you know, unsettling right now. You just got to make sure you don't make emotional mistakes. Okay. One of the things I, I can tell people to do is like build up your cash reserves a little bit. Sell maybe some of your silly stocks like Beyond Meat that won't hold up a valuation in a down market. But again, the recession probably won't come if the indicator holds true for another 10 months to, to 18 months. So it, you have a lot of time. But short term, it's, it's, it's panic mode for sure. Right, right. And this is when I typically get emails, hey, there's a recession coming. Should we take some profits? Should we do this? Should we do that? Well, First of all, in 2017, we started kind of trimming some stuff so that we weren't over-allocated to equities. You know, in other words, if we have an investment policy statement that says, I want 65% in stocks and 35% in bonds, and that had grown to 70, we were already trimming. Um, so that's something that you have to do anyways, is maintain your allocation. You've got to set an allocation goal and maintain it. That's part of investing. But... Other than that, it's not an issue of, oh, let's try to time the market, because the majority of your holdings, if they're stocks, pay dividends. And as soon as you try to time the market, you lose out on all those dividends. And then bonds pay interest, and a lot of people say, oh, I don't want bonds anymore. The rates are too low. Well, bonds have rallied drastically as a result of lower rates. And so many uh, bond funds, even though they were only yielding 25 3.5%, are up 6% in total return for the year. So that's why you still maintain asset allocation and, and and rebalance. And it's also why you you know have if you're going into retirement three years worth of portfolio draws in cash because if you have that plus dividends and interest coming out of your portfolio, you'll easily last through the peak down to the trough back up to the peak when you go through a recession. And that that could be a you know three or four month period like the last correction we saw, it could be a three year period. Doesn't matter if you stick with a strategy, you'll you'll be okay, and you won't be worry as much about these headlines. Let me ask you one philosophical question, so to speak. Um, the The inverted yield curve and the yields that you get on like a ten year treasury and a thirty year treasury isn't showing a lot of inflation. Isn't showing a lot of growth. It's showing you that we should have anemic returns on the stock market for the next ten fifteen years. But I feel like we've been saying that for the last ten fifteen years. Um, how do you feel about the long term for the stock market with what the bond market is showing us, per se? Well, if you have globalization and you have free trade, you will have less inflation, plain and simple, okay. because the, the labor market will adjust itself. And as annoying as the headlines are, that, that's the point of what the trade war is about. I mean, China has extremely unfair practices. Um, the majority of people that... Uh, you, you know, look at the global economy and say, okay, we should have free trade. It will help everybody. But you have China that's not playing fair. It has to be addressed now. Otherwise, we're going to have even bigger problems in the future. Now, the way it's addressed is annoying most people, and I get it, but it has to be addressed. 
And the reason why we've had very low inflation is because of globalization, is because the labor market adjusts itself. It's just like when all of the outsourcing of call centers was in India. That was, what, six, seven, ten years ago? I don't know. I don't even remember now. Then that changed to China. Now it's changing to other areas in Asia, and it's creating wealth in other areas of the world, and it's helping us keep our inflation lower. Um, so things will, will adjust around what politicians are doing, and corporations work on their own. It doesn't matter who's president. Corporations figure out how to change as a result of trade issues. You're already seeing supply chains change around the world on where companies are getting their goods so they can get their costs back down. And uh, you know, it's you already you already saw companies two years ago adjust to Brexit. It doesn't even matter at this point what happens to Brexit for corporations. Uh, corporations have already adjusted. Right now, it's just a political mess that the politicians have to deal with. Corporations have already adjusted. And if they haven't, they'll go to hell in a handbasket to put a nice little bow on everything. <laughs> um, because Brexit's really about financial institutions, really, really about being paid in a timely manner, the way I see it. But um, hell in a handbasket, it turns out history of popery, 1682. It was a popish plot where the Whigs were trying to destroy the king's best friends and the devil would fetch them and put them in a, take them to hell in a handbasket, Chad. You can meet Chad at the Money Show Friday. You can download a resource for that Money Show at newfocusfinancial.com. Listen to the commercials for more info. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. A lot of concern today about a potential recession. Everywhere you go in financial media, it's talking about the implications, the ramifications, the deliberations like everything is it's hardcore right now which brings up one of the things that i like about recessions is that they tend to curb enthusiasm they tend to curb excesses we'll talk about that as the show goes on let's talk a little um business talk radio and the big money show coming up in san francisco the san francisco money show this week I'll be presenting, as will Kami Zaraki. Uh, did I get your name close to correct? You got it absolutely correct. That's impressive, because I mess up my own name sometimes, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so, Kami, tell me a little bit about who you are and what you'll be doing at The Money Show. I kind of do a who, what, when, where kind of question. Sure. So, um, I am Kami Zaraki. I'm the CEO of Better Investing. Better Investing is a nonprofit organization. We're actually headquartered in the Detroit area, and we are focused on um, teaching individuals how to be successful, fundamental, long-term investors. So we provide a lot of investment education programs um, through our chapters around the country as well as uh, from our website, and we also provide um, online tools, stock analysis tools, and portfolio management tools that help people analyze stocks and manage their portfolios uh, according to the investment, you know, the fundamental investment principles that we, uh, that we espouse. Um, we've been around since 1951, so got a lot of experience in that area. Um, 
I am uh, participating in the Money Show along with my colleague Doug Gerlach and uh, several of our local volunteers from the San Francisco area. Um, I am actually participating in a special session um, hosted at the Money Show called Women on Wealth. So this is Thursday morning beginning at 8.30 and uh, goes until right around noontime. So uh, different uh, speakers, all of whom are women, uh, talking about different investing topics. Uh, And then um, I am also speaking on... um, Saturday morning with a presentation talking specifically about fundamental investing. So I'll be sharing with the audience um, our approach to fundamental investing. We'll have a little audience participation, if you will, and then together we'll actually analyze the stock so people can see how we go about doing that. And I and I believe that that session, it begins at uh, 8 o'clock, is also being streamed live uh, from moneyshow.com. So those are some of the things that we've got going on. And, of course, we'll be at the exhibition hall. And then uh, my colleague, Doug, is also speaking several times on uh, on August uh, 16th. That would be Friday. So we've got a lot of great lot things of good, planned for the Money Show. A lot of good stuff. And tip of the hat to you and your group, Better Investing. The website is betterinvesting.org. I appreciate anyone that's taking, I'm not going to say a safe but a reasonable, level-headed approach to investing, and clearly that's what you're doing. Uh, With that being said, you're probably getting prepped for a lot of questions about the recession or recessionary actions or when good economies go bad or when trade wars escalate. Are, Are you sensing any anxiety amongst investors at this point in time? Well, certainly with our investors, we are, we're always uh, paying attention to what the market is doing, um, not from a day-to-day perspective, but obviously, you know, for big changes that are occurring. And from our, you know, point of view, we focus on trying to identify what we believe to be quality growth companies. And so when there is a recession, um, you know, when you're invested in a quality growth company, so quality growth company is one that is growing appropriate for its size, both in terms of sales and earnings. Um, They've got, you know, steadier growing uh, return on equity, steadier growing uh, pre-tax profit, and, um, you know, little or no debt or debt that they can readily afford. Uh, The debt issue kind of depends a little bit on the industry that they're operating in. Um, And... Then, of course, we try to analyze what we think the stock will trade at over a five-year period of time so that when you're focused on a quality growth company and you start to see that the market is going into a recession or, or a correction, it actually potentially creates an opportunity for you to buy a quality company at a reduced price, uh, or I should say buy stock in a quality company at a reduced price. So that's the way we tend to look at that um, situations like that. Uh, We are long-term investors, so we do hold a stock for a a longer period of time, typically uh, about five years, four to five years. So that does mean that we do sell stocks, (laughs) and uh, obviously we're looking to sell a stock when we think it is at a point that we consider the stock to be fully valued, uh, which means then we want to change the position that we have in the stock, sell some of it, uh, take the earnings uh, that we've gotten from that, and look to reinvest it you know, in, a, in another company, in another stock, uh, or another investment vehicle that we think is going to give us a, a better return over the next over the coming five years, if you will. So we're always kind of looking at things in, in that way. 
Cammy, um, while uh, while I'm playing around with your website, um, betterinvesting.org, I noticed that one of the things that you promote is clubs. We've got about a minute. I enjoy a good investment club in large part because 10 people can argue and one person can kind of like shut down the argument, which I love. Um, I've talked to investment clubs. I is kind of a TV radio guy. They kind of want me there as a celebrity, so to speak on occasion, but I tend to really like the women investment clubs where there's like just one cranky old woman who doesn't want to buy a tech stock. And and that's a voice that you kind of want to hear on occasion. I, I know I'm generalizing a little bit too much, but what are your thoughts on investment clubs and what do we need to know? We've got about one minute. Uh, yeah, I think investment clubs are great, and the the primary benefit of belonging to an investment club is it gives you, as an individual investor, the opportunity to actually talk about stocks and get other points of view that will help inform your decision regarding the stock. Now, investment clubs tend to invest a certain amount of money together, but then, so many investment clubs will each person will invest five, excuse me, fifty dollars a month, and then they'll make joint decisions about how to invest the money that they've pulled together. But the real benefit of an investment club is the learning that you get and that you can yeah. apply to your own personal portfolios. I, so I, I agree. Most, yeah, that's mostly what our investment clubs are doing. Our members who are, uh, belong to investment clubs. Yep. And if you, if you see someone who's 80 years old at an investment club, they've been around for a long time. So that's the person I want to sit next to, if you, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Thank you so much, Cammie. Um, people can find you at The Money Show this week by going to kdow.biz. You have to sign up online to get in. But once you're in, everything's free, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure that's the case. Uh, there may be some breakouts that are not, but I, I doubt that. Um, you can go to kdow.biz. You can meet Cami and the, the celebrities that are going to be there. Some of them rock the financial world. A lot of economists, a lot of financial planners, a lot of traders, a lot of investors. All topics are covered at The Money Show. You can learn more by going to kdow.biz. It's this week at the Hilton in San Francisco. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or kdow.biz. This is probably my favorite song. I don't want to sound like a 16-year-old boy, but this song messes me up. It's, it's kind of a reflective song, right? Trent Reznor recorded it in 1994 with Nine Inch Nails. And I believe right around that time, Trent Reznor was called one of Time Magazine's 10 Most Influential, which I think is kind of a fascinating thing to be called because, man, what a curse, right? For him, it was a song about heroin. The needle tears a hole, the old familiar sting. Try to kill it all away, but I remember everything. For Johnny Cash, he was meant to be Elvis Presley, and then... Elvis Presley became Elvis Presley. And Johnny Cash became a hardcore drinker. If you do any research on him, he was he was set up to be the next big thing. And his career wasn't bad, but he wasn't Elvis. And like I, I can see the alcoholism in him, in the song, in the lyrics. And uh, I made a huge mistake in my life back in the 90s. I fell in love with a girl named Juliet. And I didn't know what to do to impress her, so we went to a lot of live music. And oddly enough, in the early 90s, there was a a guy named Johnny Cash who was playing, and I was like, I heard he was kind of a big thing in the 50s and 60s. And she was up for it. It turned out to be the best show I've ever seen. Nothing could ever hit that greatness. He was loved. We we were kind of like millennials. We were young 30s. 
were Gen Xers who were considered slackers at the time. And to make a long story short, I was just blown away by he came out. Then he brought his wife out, June Carter Cash, who if you watch the video on YouTube today called Hurt by Johnny Cash, you'll see his wife in the video. And she's looking down lovingly at him. She died right when the video came out. And it, it's, it's haunting because, like, here he is singing about his alcoholism. He's not singing about his alcoholism. He's singing about Trent Reznor's uh, heroin problem. But it, it kind of fits, right? So in that concert, it was at the, um, the 930 Club in Washington, D.C., so he brings his wife out, and she's just as good as he is. Um, June Carter Cash, I didn't know her history at that point in time. I didn't see the, the movie. You know, it's um, Reese Witherspoon, and well, I call her Skillet Face because it looks like her face was hit by a skillet. It's all flat and kind of odd-looking um, and shape of a skillet. Um, so the movie wasn't out, so I didn't know who she was. I didn't know she was America's Sweetheart. I didn't grow up with that music. She was America's Sweetheart, and he was America's next Elvis, and they fell in love, and whoa. Um, her family had uh, just this, this incredible legacy of music in America. And their daughter came out in that show and played. So, and again, the... the he did all of his hits and such. And this was right. This was before he started doing. No, this was right during when he was starting to do covers like that one. Um, he did two, three, four albums of covers. You know, he did Personal Jesus, which he reinvents songs because he's got a voice that can reinvent songs. Anyway, I can't do that. But uh, what a show. And that song. Trust me, if you uh, you have a bad day, you can be really, really reflective about the empire of dirt that you've built. And uh, sitting on your liar's chair full of broken thoughts that you can't repair. It's very reflective of every mistake you've ever made in your life. And, and not necessarily negative. It, it's just saying, I can look back. So anyhow, in any way, um, inverted yield curve, recession is coming. Paul Revere... Recession is coming, recession is coming, recession is coming. It typically will. Now, this is a different kind of presidency. He seems to have levers that he can pull. But the longer he plays games, or as long, the longer that the, the games with China drag on, whether it's us with China or China with us, I don't know. Some jerk face called me a socialist and said, you hate the president. I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm in an awkward position of trying to talk about the economy. And the president's all, he's got his fingerprints all over it right now. When a lot of presidents don't. Uh, but what I love is someone who goes, you're a socialist, communist, Nazi. <laughs> I love those emails because it just shows me that people are violently insane. That they think that they can listen to someone for a couple minutes and come up with their whole ideology and criticize them from a distance. Um, which is why I've never flicked anyone off. True story. True story. I've never been in a car and flicked the bird at anyone. You know why? Because I think I'm... I think Americans are crazy. I think Americans are violently insane. So I've always thought if I flicked off like a trucker or someone in like cutting me off, he's going to pull out a gun and shoot me. So I don't do it. I typically nicely wave at them and that pisses them off even more. They're like, you just cut me off and now you're nicely waving at me. At least flick the bird to me. I'm like, no, no, I'm going to do it. So Germany showed a quarter over quarter decline and two quarters in a row of decline in GDP is technical recession so we're going to be talking about this for a long time it doesn't help that macy's came out with bad numbers and basically said you know this is kind of on the whole china tariff thing you're like really so macy's ceo is giving us color in the trenches right now and i remember 
not last Friday, but the Friday before that, when Trump announced the extra 10% of tariffs on roughly $300 billion worth of goods. I think that was a Friday. It could have been a Thursday. But on my way, I was driving. So I was listening to CNBC or Bloomberg while I drive. Greatest thing about satellite radio is I can stay in touch with financial media. Um, which is kind of interesting that I said that the way I said that. Because I wouldn't tune into my own show. I'd tune into CNBC or Bloomberg to hear what uh, the kind of conventional wisdom is. But there was a, a head of retail who called in, and he was panicked. I don't know his title because I was driving, but he's like, these extra 10% tariffs on, on $300 billion worth of good, it's going to destroy retail in America. There's going to be bankruptcy after bankruptcy after bankruptcy. It, it was almost like as if the guy personally went bankrupt because of the news, or his wife left him for a Chinese retailer or something like that. Like, I don't know, but he was really distraught. And I, I, I filed that under, that's odd. And now I see Macy struggling. I see the CEO coming on and say, shoppers have no appetite for price increases from looming tariffs. And these tariffs essentially hit the industries like shoes and apparel and a lot of electronics. That's the things that we have not uh, tariffed until now. And Trump said September. And then he was like, oh, no, that's not good because Americans want to buy stuff for christmas so we better change that to december now you could take that as i don't like the president or you could take it as i'm just giving you analysis on the fly i think i'm giving you analysis on the fly and take it for what it's worth i'm not in the man's head but it seems like the december 15th was a reversal of the september 1 position largely in place so that we could accommodate the u.s consumer for the holidays which if i was china i'd say no 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 you can keep those in fact <laughs> Turn the screw a little tighter. So Macy's shares are off 16%, and I can't imagine. I can't imagine, like, let's say I'm walking home today, and I'm whistling. I whistle while I walk. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Um, and I fall and bump my head. That's the only scenario where I can imagine where I, I wake up out of a coma in 10 years, and I go, I think it's time to buy Macy's. Um, department stores just don't do it for me. There's different type of retailers, and as an investor, uh, you can get exposure to different types. Soft lines are things like clothing stores. Hard lines are like uh, furniture. Uh, more robust issues. You can look at something like a Home Depot and say it's kind of a home improvement play. What type of retailer do you want? I walked into a Best Buy yesterday and it was pretty empty. It doesn't give me confidence that they're a year-round play instead of more like a a holiday play or a Super Bowl play on TVs or something. I don't know. And Best Buy's been... it's It's... It's a stock that did great for like 10 years, and then it did horrible for five years, and it started to do great again. And I just have no interest in that. Um, In the end, I was once fascinated with Best Buy. I wanted to see the gadget. I wanted to see what a 4K TV looked like. I wanted to see what HDR looked like. Um, But in this day and age, as I get older, I'm just like, just buy me a TV. I'm 92 years old, and I just want a TV. I want to watch Oprah. Uh, Oprah hasn't been on in years. I want to watch Oprah. And I should be allowed to watch Oprah because I've lived 92 years old. Therefore, I, I, I've earned it. So when it comes to investing, you're going to learn there's things that you just don't want. Like, for instance, I don't buy a lot of insurance companies in the world of finance. I might buy a bank or a broker, but I don't like insurance for some reason. It's good to have opinions like that. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Sorry about all the Johnny Cash today. It just seems apropos. 
All I got is negative today. I got Macy's down 17%. I got the market down 450 points. I got Uber hitting an all-time low. Talking a little bit more about Uber. It's probably one of those companies that we knew was going to come public, that we knew was going to come public. We knew it was going to come public. We got excited about it coming public. Um, Could it be the next Facebook? Sure. I remember the first time I took an Uber ride, do you? I remember the first time my brother David, visiting from the East Coast, took an Uber ride. He was freaked out of his mind. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, give me your phone. Downloaded the app. Um, Punched in your credit card. First ride was free or something like that. He was just, whoa. Um, So we kind of built in some expectations that the cake was going to be tasty. The only problem is we forgot to add eggs and it, it turned to, to brick. I don't know how the cake or analogy. Forgive me, Father, for I gave a bad analogy. But, yeah, it's we were so expecting better from Uber. And then Lyft kind of stepped in their way and wanted to get premium pricing while they could because they knew billions and billions of dollars were going to be lost between the two companies. And Uber's IPO was a disaster of sorts. Then this quarter, this is their second quarter being publicly traded. I don't buy publicly traded companies until at least one year old. I know. I can make an Epstein joke here about having standards about who you date. I used to honestly say I would only date college-educated women because I was college-educated, and I tend to find that people find each other. Um, And it was kind of a standard of mine. I don't know if it's right or wrong. But most of my friends are college-educated, married a college-educated person. Most of my friends are high-school-educated, married a high-school-educated person. Um, so try to find you know the, the thing that works for you, per se. But Dow down 500 now. Whoa. It's one of those days. So I, wouldn't, I, I don't buy Uber because I don't buy stocks that are less than a year old. I will make a really weird, really weird exception on occasion. But it's part of my standards. It stops me from getting into trouble. It stops me from learning, oh, it looks like all the insiders are leaving. Oh, they got a new CFO and a new CEO. Like, oh, they were just there for that paycheck of the IPO and they're out. And they probably had a contract that said you'll stay for the IPO plus three months or something like that to get your shares. But the quarter, they lost $5 billion. And the question is, will they ever make $5 billion? Will they ever make $10 billion? Their market cap has fallen roughly $10 billion below that of the close of its first day of trading. So it was wildly overpriced, is the thought. Shares hit $35 today. It was an earnings whiff. Now, there's a good chance that by having the stock underperform, that it's setting themselves up for outperformance as far as the stock goes. But my standards just won't let me date a stock that's less than a year old. And a company that's losing $5.2 billion, I have to ask the question of like, What's going on? I get expansion is expensive, and I get that Amazon kind of broke the model for IPOs. When they IPO'd, Amazon said, we will not be profitable for a long period of time. And I kind of went with it. By the way, every villain now in uh, superhero movies looks like Jeff Bezos. I was watching watching Shazam with my boys the other day, and the bad guy in Shazam looks like Jeff Bezos. How crazy is it that we could basically say, if you're a billionaire, you probably have an evil lair, and we just go with it. So Uber lost $5.2 billion. I love hypocrisy. I've got a friend who works for Uber, and he just bought a $200,000 plus car. His family went on vacation without him this summer because he married a woman from Japan, and he's from a different country. I don't want to give too much intimate details out in case people could figure out who he is. Oh, yeah, he bought a $200,000 McLaren. That guy. (laughs) If you see the McLaren, you know who I'm talking about. Um, But his wife was complaining the other day 
about the cost of housing and how crowded it is. And I'm like, duh. You just bought a $200,000 car. It's like people have money to throw around, which kind of creates that problem with housing, right? So Uber shares hit their closing price of $37 yesterday. And it's just, you could say all you want about transportation, how it's changing. In the end, you want companies that make money. You want companies that have the ability to make money, not companies that are able to grow revenue as fast as they can. Now, again, like I said, Amazon broke the model for IPOs because when they came public 20 plus years ago, they said, we're going to lose money for a long time. We are not in the business of losing money. We're in the business of grabbing market share and pie, of which Amazon yesterday just barely kind of almost announced that they're going to start selling. They're going to start being a middleman for like grocery uh, mom and pop grocery stores convenience stores. Uh, why not? While they're out there delivering everything, why not deliver you know beer for the, the local vendor to sell? Why not deliver cigarettes? Why not deliver uh, M&Ms? Which, I look at people inside those stores selling to the owners, and I'm like, whoa, your job's in danger. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Don't forget to check me out online at newfocusfinancial.com. Big seminar coming up Friday at The Money Show. Learn more at kdow.biz. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com